Hey, John, welcome back to another working session. Uh, I, know, I know it's been a little bit since we touched base. We've got a lot going on on both sides of the house, so excited to hear what's going on at Editor Ninja. But first, what's going on in your life? How are things on your end, man? Oh, man, good to see you, James. Things are busy. Things are really busy. We've got a lot going on. I'm hiring people at both companies. My wife and I are looking for a bigger house in Denver, so we literally went and looked at another one this morning. We're trying to make decisions about where we're going to be this summer and what that means for childcare. Like, just a lot of moving parts right now, man. But, you know, I was reflecting yesterday that it's not about making life less crazy because I've been saying no to a lot of things as well. At this point, I'm doing things that I want to be doing, and it's all about me shifting my mindset into I get to do this and I'm choosing to do this as opposed to I have to do this. But yeah, man, things are good. Can't complain. What about you? How are things going your end? Yeah, you had a tweet the other day. It was like two growing businesses and whatever personal fitness habit I'm trying to build and a, a three-year-old that's very much a three-nager and like, I'm just tired, y'all. And I was like, yeah, I can yeah. identify with that. I got a two-year-old to four-year-old. I got a side hustle. I got a full-time job and I'm just trying to be fit as well. It's like... Yeah, I'm just tired, but I did a few years in the in the army and we would go through some training and just be really, really shitty. Like it'd just be rainy and muddy and we're like crawling through the mud and we're just soaked and cold. And and, it's, and somebody would just look around invariably every time and be like, can you believe we volunteered for this? You know, like and that was the <laughs> running joke is we volunteered to be here. Nobody, yep. nobody drafted us into this military, volunteered to be here. And we're sitting here complaining about how rough it is. So to your point, right. yeah, some days aren't as, as great as others, but long-term, I think the positives outweigh uh, the, the challenges for me, at least. I life find is, that that, that perspective shift is so, so important because, you know, when, when they say that, can you believe we volunteered for this? You instantly go from the, man, this sucks, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm wet, etc., to like, oh man, this is actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I've, I've been really trying to take that perspective and just, even if you don't get less busy at all, I posted a reel about this and I was like, it just completely shifts my brain about it where it's like to go from, oh man, I have so much to do to, man, I'm choosing to do this and I'm choosing to do it because it's fun and because it's things I want to be doing. And that right there just puts me into a better mindset. So a little uh, brain hack for you there. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, there's this personal trainer and she also has an e-commerce line. Her name's Evan Childs and she branded her workout programs that she makes for her clients as get to workouts. You don't have to work out. You get to uh, work out because it. she saw so many people with disabilities or just an elderly person or whatever, and it's they physically can't work out anymore because they have some kind of limitation around that. And uh, I bet they're watching you go for a jog and struggle and say, mm. man, I wish I wish I could go through that misery, right? For you, it sucks. For them, it's something that they, they wish they could do. So she kind of reframed it as, I get to work out today. I don't have to work out today. In the same way, yeah. we're building these businesses and we get to explore and experiment and, and struggle and stuff like that. We don't have to because we're struggling to make ends meet or we have a family to support on a single income or anything crazy like that. It's just kind of, you know, we get to because it's the privilege that we're, we're in, right? Totally. Totally. Very cool. Cool. So maybe I'll kick things off because I brought the icebreaker today, or at least I think I raised the idea. And I was thinking about this quote that a lot of people attribute to Henry Ford, where he says, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. But instead, obviously, he goes on to build the automobile. And then there's kind of a similar quote from Steve Jobs, where he's basically saying people didn't know they wanted the iPhone, right? They, would, they were happy with the phones that they have, or they were happy having a computer separate from a phone. And it's our job to push the market and figure out what people are going to want going forward and then create that and put that in front of them. So I think those quotes are one side of the debate. And then the other side of the debate, which is kind of the more popular approach in a lot of the tech world right now, is talk to your customers, get intimately familiar with your customers, understand them inside and out, ask them what they want, and then go build that thing. These two ideas don't necessarily have to oppose one another, but there is some kind of like 
friction between the two. And I started thinking about that in the context of our businesses, the customers and clients that I have coming through the door for Castaway, like a lot of them do want some kind of customization or they have a very specific use case or something like that. So should I jump to build that for them because there's some kind of demand there? Or should I go with the Henry Ford, Steve Jobs approach where it's, let me try to figure out what people need because maybe they don't even realize it yet and put together an offer around that and then put that offer in front of them. So where do you land with this? Well, there's also the Henry Ford quote of, yeah, people can have the car in whatever color they want as long as it's Model A and it's black, right? right? So, you know, that comes in as well. And so I actually don't think those are opposed at all because Ford's was like, I mean, he knew that it was a better way, right? So like building a car was it was a better way than horses, right? It was like a lockstep change. Neither of us is doing a lockstep change. We're doing an improvement on an existing process, right? And some of it's like a little bit of a new process, but like we're not pioneering like content editing or content promotion or repurposing like that kind of thing. But I think what what Ford was really getting down to and what Jobs kind of got down to is what is the thing that they actually want to accomplish and how do we show them that what we're doing is accomplishing that in a better way that they may not have even thought about before? So for like Editor Ninja, it could be like, a you know, I talked to a lot of agencies that they're like, oh, we have in-house editors, right? Oh, we just hired two full-time in-house editors. I talked to one agency recently that said that. And I'm like, so you literally have six figures in payroll for editing a year. Like with Editor Ninja, even at 200,000 words a month, they could still save 60 plus percent by using Editor Ninja over hiring full-time editors. So, you know, I, I think part of it is like showing them how what we're doing is better than the way that they've currently been trying to do it. And so, you know, yeah, they all want to like customize something or whatever, but okay, but you said you wanted to accomplish X, Y, and Z, right? Car, you said you wanted to get to your whatever, summer home in the English countryside. You can get there on a horse. It's going to take you three days, but if you have a car, it's going to take you, you know, five hours, right? So how is what we're doing not accomplishing that ultimate goal, right? I'm kind of channeling Alex Hormozzi here a little bit with what I think he would say to this, <laughs> you know, to this kind of thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, I know I've just rambled there a little bit, but I, I think there's, there's definitely something to the like identifying what the real problem is and then building a solution that works really well for it and then showing people that that solution solves their problem in a better way than how they've been trying to do it already. And so all these other customizations that I hear you, I get it, right? And so for you, like, I get it. Maybe you want us to post to, I don't know, you want to write us to write a Reddit post off based off of your podcast or something like that. But like right now, you're not doing anything. Like you're not doing any sort of podcast repurposing, any sort of content repurposing. So let's start there before we get fancy, right? Model then modify. Like let's let's run this thing. Let's get see the results. And then, yeah, then let's talk about what other things we could do and what that would look like, what that would cost. You figure out the fulfillment, that kind of thing. But I don't know. What's your take on these? First of all, why is this the icebreaker that you wanted to bring up? What what context did you hear this in and what did it make you think about? Yeah, I think it's like a lot of the sales conversations that I'm having are, hey, I love the package that you've laid out, but I don't need this. Like I have a content team that's already mm. converting things into blog posts, so I don't need that part. Can you just carve that out for me? Or I love that you do Twitter threads, but we don't really use Twitter. So can I substitute something else in? Can you carve that out? Whatever. Even down to the point where like we use a Pinterest and LinkedIn and one other platform. We don't need Twitter or Instagram, right? So it's like just these little mm. details that you get into where it's a use case specific to that client. How much do you want to accommodate that, right? Because if this was my primary thing, then I might be more inclined to build a full service agency that is a podcast growth advisory firm, right? Or something like that. And everything mm -hmm. is bespoke. And I hire very talented marketers to come in and work with you on an account basis. And we're going to specifically try to grow your show and get creative around that. And then those customizations make a lot more sense. But 
as a nights and weekends pursuit, this has to be a productized service where 80% of the time or more, it's run the exact same way over and over and over again. And so that, that dichotomy of who's coming in the door talking to me now with interest and what I'm trying to achieve to make this a manageable, sustainable effort for myself, there seems to be a little bit of friction there. And so that's, that's what keeps it top of mind for me. And I think I landed roughly in the same place that you just described where it's like, it's not either or, it's both. It's listen to your customers and hear the problems mm -hmm. that they have, hear the pain points they're struggling with, hear what they've already tried, hear where their frustrations are. But your role as the entrepreneur is to find the creative solution that best addresses those needs as they're extrapolated across hundreds of conversations, ideally. Mm. So you see the trends, you see the commonalities, you see the shared frustrations, you put together something that you think addresses, because frankly, that's your skill set, right? That's where you add the value. If you weren't the one uniquely qualified to do that, they would have already found someone else who has done it, or they'd be doing it themselves. And so I think I land where you kind of have to do both. You listen, you be empathetic, you be understanding, and then you take all that data, you process it through your analytical brain, you put together a solution that works for 80% of those folks or more, and you put that in front of them and say, here's what we have to offer, right? And I think that's the best right. way, at least for me, to stay out of the full service agency realm and still meet the needs of the vast majority of folks who are landing on the site and coming through the door. Mm-hmm. Well, I, for, for Castaway specifically, I wonder if there's a like, well, early on, it makes a ton of sense to say we do this. We repurpose these this type of media into these types of things onto these channels, and this is how it looks, and this is the, these are the results that we get, right? But I think there is something to that, and maybe you're not there yet, but and I think what you just said about the 80% of people is great, but it might be worth considering, and we were just talking before we started about like Andrew Chen's book, The Cold Start Problem, which I think would be really interesting for you to listen to and read. But I think at some point it would make sense for you to go to the, this is what like Repurpose House does, I think. Like we will repurpose your content, you know, to up to three social media channels, right? Yeah. This many pieces per month up to this many social media channels, right? So pick three, you know, and if you want six, we can talk about that. We can do it on the six channels, right? But pick three and we do Twitter, we do Facebook, we do Pinterest, we do Instagram, we do Reddit. I don't know, right? Pick pick three of the five. And then like per channel, you know, they want to add on. Well, we want to do all five. Okay, cool. Here's what it looks like per additional channel, right? So this is what this is what your package looks like. And so instead of defining the where people are promoting, it's letting them choose where they want it to be promoted and your process is built out around each one of those. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's kind of where we're at right now in the sense that I just dictate the assets you get. The package includes the asset. Mm. So you get, yep. um, your, if you record video, you get your podcast converted to a full length YouTube video. You get it converted to yep. a blog post. You get it to uh, half a dozen written individual posts, which are ideal for LinkedIn or Facebook, right? They're multi-paragraph. Mm -hmm. And then you get little bite size um, tweets and then you get video clips or audio clips, depending on what you record. And they come in square, portrait and landscape. And one of those formats will work on whatever platform you want to use. So you get four mm -hmm. audio clips, three formats for each one. That's 12 total audio assets that you get. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, which is I build the package of assets and you can creatively deploy them however you want. And I think mm -hmm. that's a decent middle ground for me, at least where I'm at right now. And it sounds in line with what you're yep. recommending there, right? Is dictate certain aspects of it, but then let them creatively apply that solution in the context of their business. Exactly. And you have the dimensions of what's ideal for Pinterest and what's ideal for Twitter and what's ideal for Instagram and that kind of thing. And if you're not actually doing the posting side, right, then yeah, you just, you give them the assets, you know, and you have your templates predefined for the right sizes and all that kind of thing. And here you go, you know, do your thing. I don't know. Honestly, dude, it's something I would test if I were you. 
just like which channels do you you know do you want it on we've got five that we can do which three are, are you know there's three included in the initial package if you need more you know i can give you that pricing as well and let them choose you know because then because then it's less like this is what you get right Th this is your only but it's you know you can have just like cars now will have you know i have a tacoma it's my main you know my main vehicle there's five different trim lines of tacomas mm -hmm. right there's the se there's the trd sport there's the trd uh off-road which i have there's the trd pro and each one has like slightly different things but i can't say i want the trd off-road suspension on my pro right like i can upgrade to it right so it's an upgrade it's going to cost me more but i also can't order it off the lot that way right i get the off-road and so I, I kind of make the choice which one i want so i don't know if that fits perfectly but i think there is something to that like to that choice of so these are the things that you can do as opposed to, you know, I, I think Ford's, you can have any car and color you want as long as it's Model A in black. I don't know that really applies in the internet day and age. Maybe, yeah. Plus, but it's, all they it's had where you start, you right? know? Yeah, yeah, it's what they had, exactly. They had. And it was, and like, they had all these like production issues and all that, they had to do it. But yeah, the, in this day and age with software, I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. But, and also they didn't yeah. stay there. They started there and it let them scale. They were the first ones to really scale at manufacturing if I'm like in the, in the U S if I'm correct. So mm -hmm. they pioneered a lot of like operations and manufacturing capacity and, and, and systems, you know, that a lot of other companies have followed. So that didn't exist versus like, we have tools like Canva that can go and create templates and, you know, different, all these different sizes very easily. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll call that the icebreaker. I think I'll take that to heart and and see if it changes my my package and pricing structure next time we talk. I may do some experimentation. Part of what I'm working on now is migrating uh, over to WordPress. I know we talked about this a few episodes ago, but I do mm. think that my current tech stack is holding me back in terms of rapidly launching new landing pages for something like that, or A/B testing package offerings using something like Google Optimize, where it's like you direct somebody to one pricing page. You know, and then direct the other 50% of traffic to a different pricing page and just see what the conversion rates or the engagement rates are on those. Again, being held back by tech. So at this point, uh, making the call to jump over there. And that might be hmm. the gate that has to open up for me to start experimenting more with stuff like that. But yeah, I'd love to hear the Editor Ninja update from the last week or so, man. What's going on on your... Yeah, I uh, well, first of all, it's exciting about WordPress. I'll be interested to hear if you're building it out or someone else is doing it for you. But on the, the Editor Ninja side, man, there's been... There's been a lot going on and it's feeling like it's starting to require more of my time. Like I have a couple updates. Number one is on the operations side. So I, I mentioned the cold start problem by Andrew Chin already, but I was listening to it this morning on my walk and he was talking about uh, Travis Kalanick, founder of, and former CEO of Uber, was talking about basically Andrew's talking about how they like... Um, hacked networks to like the network creation. And uh, Travis had a really interesting quote where it was product is slow, operations is fast. And so it really made me think like it is slow building product. And, like I've been building product for years now, right? We built out our whole like custom system at Credo and it can take like, you know, month, six weeks, four, six, eight weeks if you're lucky from ideation of a thing to it actually getting live, right? That's a couple months of time versus, you know, I had someone that, you know, wanted to buy just like a chunk of words from Editor Ninja, right? To kind of use over time because they didn't like how, you know, what they were paying for in the subscription didn't, you know, didn't roll over, et cetera, et cetera. And part of me is like too bad, but also I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like maybe, you know, there is a, let's get them into like chunks of words, but also charge them more like per word than they'd be paying on the subscription. And, uh, you know, and then they might be like, oh, it doesn't make sense. So I'm like, well, the, you know, oh, there's too much per word. Well, that's what you get on the subscription, right? So like you, you kind of get to choose, but I don't have the infrastructure built in for like tracking, you know, this person bought 50,000 words and tracking against that budget and that kind of thing. 
But who cares? I can use a Google sheet and every week I can have a VA go in and see how many words they did over the past week, what their like balance is, email that to them. And when they get 2000 words or below, then ask them if they want to renew, right? If they want to top back up. So I don't need to build it into the product, but it is, this is making me realize, and I've already realized it before, but these businesses are just, they're process businesses, man. Like we build the system and we don't necessarily have to build it. Like I'm a technologist. I like to build things into the system, but I'm really trying to not build things into the system before I've sold it and before I figured out like the sales process and honestly the delivery process. And then once we know what that looks like and what they need, right? Like maybe they don't care weekly about what their balance is. So we wouldn't need to build that in. Or maybe they care about it a lot and they're asking for updates like three times a week. In which case, maybe it's a, like a running thing and they see the live view into their balance. I don't know. But it's really interesting that this is the operational challenge of this business. And so, you know, just being early days, it's just such a balance of operations, sales, marketing, delivery, hiring, etc. So anyways, that was an interesting like realization that, you know, and, and just a good reminder that like operations is fast, product is slow figure out the operations first and then build the software to automate it, right? Especially early on. Right, we just talked about, do you build something that customers are banging down your door for or do you listen to that yeah. and kind of think critically? Maybe you come to the same conclusion, like you very easily could have hired a developer to start building out that different billing system and then you know figure a way yep. to get certain customers to funnel into that versus your existing pricing model. But like the right. minimum viable step is to open up a Google sheet and run with that. Cause you don't know if that customer is going to stick around for 60 days or six years. Like you don't know, there's somewhere in between there. So I think that's a yep. great example of don't just blindly build what customers want, listen to them, right. find some way to test it with minimal overhead or risk. And then if it's sustainable mm -hmm. and if it's um, predictable, then maybe think about building that into the product or the experience. Totally. And you know what, what this has led me to kind of think about as well is I've been thinking about doing kind of a pay as you go option where like you can already submit a single doc or you can subscribe though you have to do a demo call first. And at some point I'll probably make that self-serve. You know, I haven't created that basically free account, right? That then you like upload content and you know, get charged for that pay per doc or whatever. And I'd probably do some sort of submit your doc here, no login, et cetera. It comes back to you via email or just create an account right? Cause it's be that's a better experience. It gets them into the system and you get it edited for 10% less or something like that. You know, just give them a reason to actually create an account, but I haven't had someone really looking for that yet. So I haven't created that free account level yet, but if this person comes in and they're like, yeah, we want to buy, you know, 50,000 words, and then they're going to need basically a free account to be able to do that within the system. So then that'll be the purpose for like, all right, I got 1500 bucks paid. So that makes it worth it to go build it. So, you know, once again, it's the not building stuff before you need to, because otherwise you, we can build anything, right? You end up building a lot of stuff that isn't even used and you get all this tech debt and features that aren't used and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. yeah. On the marketing side, there's been a lot going, marketing and sales side, there's been a lot going on. You know, I've created a number of new blog posts, kind of got that content engine back on track. I've been thinking about hiring someone to write for us, just kind of cranking out content, um, especially like templated content that I've been executing on so far. I would still do the thought leadership type stuff, but someone just to write the more like standard, you know, X term versus Y term, like sort of stuff, right? In-house versus in hyphen house, that kind of thing. Like I like that I've created a bunch of that already and it's working and it's driving traffic, et cetera. But like I can, my, I'm going to try to hire someone for that earlier than I ever did at Credo to create content. I've also done quite a few demo calls and gotten some really good feedback from people. I've got a couple people on the bubble to converting into being customers. I've got a new editor starting this coming Monday as well. So we're starting to you know scale up there. That'll put us at three editors with a, a fourth like already in the queue as well. So that's, that's awesome. And then I've also been doing two things that have, have worked for me recently are one is I've been reaching out to, you know, friends that run agencies, honestly, my agency customers at Credo, just 
being like, hey, can you connect me with your head content person that also does editing so I can just learn how you do it, right? And, and that's been really good. I've, I've just learned a ton around like agency processes and such around content creation and editing and that kind of thing. And I'm starting to formulate like how I pitch it, how I pitch Editor Ninja as a like a, a, a bonus to them or a better way of doing things that we were talking about at the start. And then also uh, the last couple of weeks have been crazy with work because I've created a number of like free new webinars, free trainings, that kind of thing for other companies. Um, which has been a lot of work, um, though I've kind of built a good like system for it, but I've generated like four demos off of that, which is awesome. Nice. And if I can get like two of those to close, like that's heavily worth the whatever, 10, 15 hours I spent kind of creating these presentations and delivering them and answering questions and that kind of thing. You know, at this point, I think it's so early on that I'm really just trying to get the word out there and doing trainings, being on podcasts, that kind of thing with others seems to be a good, fairly scalable way uh, like and reliable way to get in front of that initial audience and, and get demos going. Tell, tell me about the demos. Like when you give someone a demo, what does that look like in your context? Are you showing them the customer interface? Are you walking them through like the their view essentially of what a project looks like from end to end and how they monitor mm. the status and how they get assets back? Like I'm used to a demo in a software context and I know your business has a software operating behind it, but really it's a service mm -hmm. at, at its core, right? So how does a demo look in you, your world? Yeah, it, it's 100% focused on the pain. It's 100% focused on what's the problem you're looking to solve? Why did you get in touch now? How have you tried to solve it before? You know, what would you expect from a service like this? That kind of thing. So some of it's learning, but also just getting them to state specifically what it is that they're looking to do. And then I can frame the, the pitch, the service pitch around and what we do around that as well and show them how it directly solves those you know, two to three problems or just solves the problem overall because they've tried it four different ways and it was expensive or freelancers were unreliable, like that kind of thing. I can just show them that like, we take care of all of that. So I don't need to go into the full pitch of we take care, you don't have to worry about 1099s, you have to worry about performance management, you have to worry about custom payments, like all that sort of stuff. Some people care about that, most don't. Most is just that, you know, I can't retain editors. Well, now you can <laughs> easily. So yeah, it's, it's all around that. I don't even show them the software, honestly, unless they ask about it. I just say, you know, the process is supported by our simple workflow software where you submit a document and then basically you watch the magic happen and an editor works on it. And it comes back to you and you get your original document back. You get a document with edits. You can get one that's ready to publish if you just want to copy, paste and publish it and don't want to change anything that the editor recommends. People are like, oh, that's cool. And how quickly do you do that? And I tell them and often that's then their mind is blown because they're used to working with an editor that's, yeah, I'll get this blog post back to you in a week. And I'm like, right. no, you'll have that back in 24 hours. <laughs> and they're like, what? So I, I really try to like get those like mind blowing moments. So it's hundred percent built around. I use Dan Martell's rocket demo kind of framework and it's hundred percent focused around their, their pains. And then I can focus my pitch on how we solve those pains and problems. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause I've been thinking about that for Castaway and I think it's more the nature of, you know, I still have a full-time nine to five that I'm accountable to and, and energetic about and everything, but I'm trying to like intentionally avoid face-to-face -face sales conversations. Not mm -hmm. that I don't like them, but they're disruptive scheduling wise with everything I've got going on during the middle of the day. And then evenings usually aren't open for everybody else. So it's like, what I'm trying to do is if my website can't answer those questions proactively, I need to go work on the website. And so I was curious about what a demo looks like for you because I'm not doing them now, but I do have an, an avenue open through ZipMessage, which is a tool that our friend Brian Castle built, yep. where it's basically asynchronous yep. video communication with screen share and all that kind of stuff. So there is an mm. opportunity where if somebody has a question, instead of like live chat, I have here's ZipMessage, like send me a message in writing, audio or video, and I'll get back to you. And it's kind of like an asynchronous sales call. And I've only had one or yeah. two folks take advantage of that. But for my situation personally, I do like it as a proxy huh. to a demo call. I'm sure it's not nearly as effective, but it's kind of the best I can do with the limitations I have right now. So, yeah, 
Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I've been curious about if that works. I've been thinking about doing like a little like kind of video pop up. I've seen like the guy behind uh, testimonial.2, I think it's scale.so, where you can like embed videos like on your site kind of down the lower right, like a loom or zoom or something like that. I've been thinking about you know, testing something like that on Edernidge just to kind of explain what it is yeah. and then encouraging people to book a call because I do have time open in my day to do uh, demo calls for Editor Ninja. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, that, I'm a glad to hear a few people have done it and B, I'd be interested to hear if it's worked um, so far. What's going on with you at, at Castaway, man? Yeah, let's see a couple of things. My big goal since the last time we talked was to hire a video editor. I put that application on a popular marketplace called onlinejobs.ph for hiring workers out of the Philippines. Incredible concentration of design and creative talent there in my experience, graphic design, video editing, even audio editing, all kinds of things, copywriters, lots of creative folks in there. And I've gotten over 70 applications to the role that I listed. Most of them weren't totally qualified. I would say 40 are kind of like they've edited YouTube videos in the past, or they've done 60 second ads for like physical products. And, you know, they might have transferable skills, but they didn't have specific situational expertise in what I was looking for. And I'm not at a place right now where I can like train somebody that knows how to do one thing into the video editing world to do what we're looking for. That's not um, a task I want to take on. So I'm looking for really skills and expertise, but I would say of the 70, probably like 25 were folks that I would consider. And there are five like real all-stars that I'm going to move forward into a paid test project with. And I'd love your feedback on this. I'm thinking what I'll do is I'll give them the exact same raw materials, the exact same like Google Doc with guidance, the exact same timeline and the exact same pay. And then I'll just weigh all those assets against one another and determine who I think did it better in terms of not just creative execution, but you know they're gonna come up with the strategy on their own, their communication throughout the project, their delivery timelines, You know, were they on time, all that kind of stuff. Can they follow directions and deliver things in the right dimensions and color coded, color grading and all that kind of stuff. Like basically give them all the same constraints and just see who produces the best asset with the least amount of guidance and observation needed. But curious on your take on that, would you give them unique projects or some as a substitute? I like the idea of doing the same project. Um, simply because then you then it really it's not because because as you've said each project and like piece of content kind of has its own thing to it right everything's like a little mm -hmm. bit different like oh the lighting's a little bit off or the sound's a little bit off like that kind of thing so if you give them all the same piece then then it just it takes that out of the equation and it's all about the quality of the work and then as you said communication and and all of that as well I think that's awesome. I, I don't yeah. think I'd do it any differently, honestly. I've done that with writers and such before at Credo and other places. So no, I think that's great. There's a little more waste to that approach just because you're having five people edit the exact same clip. So like originally I was like, I'll give each one a different clip. And then I actually get a client asset out of that. So I can go ahead and just hand, cause I'm paying them. So it's fine to use their work, right? Yeah. So I would go ahead and give those to five unique clients or five assets to the same client. But if I have everybody do the exact mm -hmm. same piece, then I just have five versions of that piece. That's not as much utility, but in this context, I mean, it's a limited scope type of thing. And I'm really trying to find somebody that I can put on, they're effectively going to be full time. I mean, because of the conversion rates and where currency and, and trades are at right now, mm -hmm. they'll basically be full time for me. So I want to make the right choice here and I want to give somebody a long-term opportunity. Yeah. So I really want to go the extra mile to find the right person. So yeah, the goal is to hire maybe yeah. one or even two of those folks. And then that frees me up to go on a sales push because I've solved kind of that, that marketplace, that operational side that you were talking about earlier, where it's like you know, a little bit, not solved forever, but that opens me up to take on a handful of additional clients on the next day. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the hard side as well. And, and I've been, I was thinking about productized services today and how 
to really make these work, you have to have either a cheat code, like an end to one side, or you have a good process for recruiting like the, the more difficult side. So for Uber, it was drivers, right? For you, it's like your various, you know, content like creators and repurposers and editors and that kind of thing. For me, it's, you know, copy editors, et cetera. And so it's not necessarily that you need a cheat code till you have them, you have access to a huge network, but if you can find great people and you have a process for vetting them, getting to know them, hiring them, they're, they're more affordable than people in the US, et cetera, that just sets you up to scale right there. So that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Um, really excited about that. I think that's where a lot of the heavy lifting has been on the operational side. It doesn't sound like much, but you know, like reviewing 70 applications and giving everybody an honest look in terms of looking at their portfolio, checking out their resume, reading whatever cover letter they sent over, or just kind of like introductory paragraph, like that all takes time. And then, you know, going, engaging yeah. in back and forth to see what they're interested in, what they're available for. Some folks were only available for freelance, some were open to full time and when they can start and then just organizing those tests. All that administrative stuff adds up to a lot of time. So that, that's that been the bulk of the work. And then of course, I'm still in a little bit of the delivery side of things for client work for certain assets, which is why I'm hiring to try to get out of that. But I think by the next time we talk, I'm more involved on the marketing side of things and trying to drum up more demand uh, after hiring these folks. So my intuition is to kind of use the same playbook you're running, where I'll go to podcast production agencies or hosting platforms or something like that and offer to either be an add-on service for them, an affiliate referral partner for them, or um, white label my service for them. So they never even see Castaway. They're working on the production assets. They upsell somebody into a promotion package and we run behind the scenes and deliver all those assets. So I think that's where I would start. Um, but a couple other ideas I have that I think are gonna take longer to pay off would be obviously content marketing and SEO. I have this idea for an email newsletter that's basically one B2B podcast summarized per week. I'm calling it highlights for now. And, you know, we could use some video assets behind that, but I'm kind of thinking that would be like a destination newsletter, you know, like the hustle or morning brew or something like that. So if you're into B2B podcasts, but you don't have time to listen to them all, we pick a new one and we summarize it in cliff notes every single week and you get just the best learning points. I think that could be like a lead magnet, something to attract some backlinks and, and get shared because there are a lot of great B2B podcasts out there. And, you know, all of them are about 30 to 60 minutes long. And even if you listen to them at two X speed, like, there's not time to cover everything, but you also have a little bit of FOMO for what you know these two co-hosts talked about this week or something like that. So yeah, optimistic about that. And then the last one I'll share is maybe some attribution in client materials. So I might go to clients <clears throat> and say, hey, in your podcast episode, if you attribute promotion and distribution to Castaway at the end, almost like as a commercial, there's some kind of like pricing discount or affiliate kickback or something for anybody who comes in through that specific message. So it's almost, was it was a Gmail that started out with Powered by Gmail or whatever? Was that hotmail. Microsoft Outlook? Yep. Oh yeah, it was Hotmail, it was Hotmail. It was so, Hotmail. Yep. Yeah, so something like that, some virality there where it's like, hey, I like this podcast at the end, they give attribution to Castaway. I've seen their clips on social media or, or maybe on the actual video clip, if you're willing to let us have the last three seconds to say, produced by Castaway, check us out at trycastaway.com. You know, then there's some kind of pricing or consideration that's given there. So I think that could work. I don't know how many people actually go for it because everybody wants their own stuff to be branded accordingly. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna test sure. a couple of things here in the next month or so, and hopefully we'll find a channel that's sustainable and ideally scalable as well mm -hmm. over time. Right. Yeah. I, I think th that's an interesting one. I was just thinking about that as well. Like before you even started talking about it, that you could do, yeah, like get five episodes for the price of four on the fifth episode, you know, we get to pitch cast away at the end, something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. You know, Hey listener, if you like this and you're also a podcast creator, you know, check out trycastaway.com. They, you know, take care of all my podcast production and, and content repurposing. And, uh, you know, that's why you see us all over the internet now. Something mm -hmm. like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful that at least a couple folks will go for it because I already know some shows that at the end they're like, Hey, you know, this show is made possible by sponsor A, sponsor B. Our mm -hmm. intro music was provided by band name, you know, that kind of thing. Podcast editing is done by, you know, yeah. Hatch or whoever. Like they already kind of give those call outs. And I'm guessing those organizations either have a copyright in the case of the intro music or they're using the same strategy I am where it's like there's some kind of an incentive if you reference us at the end of your show and just kind of give us attribution for some of the production and promotion uh, pieces and then we'll cut the price we'll give you an extra episode whatever makes yeah. sense yeah I wonder if people might be open to like you know transcript produced by Castaway, mm -hmm. something like that. Hey, we'll throw in timestamps for free if you let us put show notes created by trycastaway.com on your show notes on your site Something like that, because yeah. that's less of an ask, but it's something that like, you know, and, and not as many people are going to see it because not as many people go and look at the show notes, but like you're also going to show up on their podcatchers in the show notes, like on their site, like that kind of thing. You're getting some backlinks, et cetera, and they're getting something for free, right? Something right. additional that's special. So I think it's worth a shot, man. Yeah, you're probably the right person to ask for this because I'm. I actually don't know the answer, but let's say I do something like that and maybe if it's not a transcript, we, we offer like some really thoughtful, high quality episode summaries, right? Like Spark Notes or something like that. And mm -hmm. they're embedded on the episode page on the company's website. So it'd be like tricastway.com slash podcast, episode two, our snippets are right there, our full like Spark Notes are right there. And then it says, you know, episode summary provided by TriCastaway or whatever like that. So if that backlink is on every single episode page and those pages all have a very similar structure and that backlink is always in the exact same location, is there any dilution of the the impact that those backlinks can have if they're all pointing to the same page from the same site? I don't think it's enough to justify not doing it. <laughs> if there right. is any, you know, dilution, like you're still getting more than you have now, plus you're getting all the exposure. So yeah, I, I don't think it's enough to to justify not doing it. There might be a little bit, right? Your ratio of like backlinks to domains is gonna be higher than you know it would otherwise be, but I don't know, man. <laughs> My perspective <laughs> is who cares? Like yeah. you've got links, you've got referral traffic, you've got exposure. It's not meant to be manipulative, right? If you're concerned about it coming across that way to Google or someone going and looking at it, no follow the links, you know, or no follow most of them or something, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it, honestly. I'd just focus on getting your like name on there as much as you can. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. I think the last thing I wanted to talk about today is my challenge that I'm struggling with right now. And it's not really a, a big challenge, but I think it's kind of the next bottleneck in the business. And that's around like editorial leadership. And so I think you've got this solved, if I remember correctly. You took an editor from the Credo side of the house or someone on your Credo team, and they're basically like, lead editor or something like that. And they're kind of the product manager, QA person. Don't let me mischaracterize the situation of your business. This is all going from memory and I'm not known for my memory, but I'm kind of struggling with the same thing where it's like my main input right now is I go through each episode and I identify the most compelling clips that need to be converted into audiograms or video clips for the client. And there is a requirement for a journalistic ear, a certain level of intellectual curiosity, a certain level of B2B savviness and experience to find those right clips and, and pull them out. And um, I think that's the next thing that I have to replace myself for. And I kind of know where I'm going to go for it, but I'm bringing it up here more as like uh, just something that I'm aware of. And I think that you might hear it on a future episode where it's like, hey, I hired this freelance writer with a journalistic background for $100 an episode to just go through and pull out three or four compelling clips and, and pass that to the team so they can do kind of that audio video work. So at Editor Ninja, 
I do have uh, my lead editor who helps me with some of the scheduling, some of the like assigning of documents. She checks in the morning, especially like a one-off doc has come in. She makes sure it gets assigned to an editor that day. They are not doing QA yet, though once we get our next customer on, then I'm gonna be getting them to do QA because there are some days where I have like six, eight documents to QA. Like to put into context, we edited about 20,000 words in January. And this month we're probably gonna do about 120,000 in April. So six X in, mm -hmm. in three months, like number of words and number of documents, et cetera. So, you know, I, I'm, I need to get help. I'm, I'm gonna get them to help on that side of the house. So honestly, I don't know that I'd pay them like per episode or something like that. I'd just say, just pay them per hour, give them a good hourly yeah. rate and say like, this is what I need for each one, right? Figure out the average podcast length episode. Say the average is 30 minutes, right? They can listen to two in an hour. They pull out three to four interesting pieces from each one with the timestamp, right? So maybe it takes them 40 minutes to do it. You know that you can get through a podcast podcast episode and a half in an hour, right? Something like that. That's how I would do it just to, just to take that off of your hand. So it gets submitted. You're not even seeing it, right? It's going straight to them. And within 24 hours during the week, within a business day, they need to have four four timestamps and interesting things that they've pulled out and they've put onto that project within your system for the editor to to take and work off of that's kind of the way it works for me like average episodes uh, in a b2b context are usually 45 to 60 minutes even if you listen to that at 2x okay. you're talking 20 to 30 minutes per episode and sometimes you have to pause and go back and listen to a statement again because you're not sure if you caught it right or like you have to earmark one and then listen to the rest of the episode and see if that one you know makes it through the filter to actually go to production because it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. but it might not be the most interesting so it, th there is a little time but i do think you could probably do you know two episodes an hour or something like that for an average length and yeah maybe it makes sense to just pay somebody hourly and just say i'll send you an episode whenever whenever I have one. And uh, if you could do in the next 24 to 48 hours, you can make the clips and we pass it to the team and you know, that kind of thing, then I think that would work out. But yeah, that's, that's one of the things where it's, it's something that right now on the team that we ha currently have, I'm the only one that's uniquely qualified to do it. So I don't want to be the only person who can do it because that's risky. And I don't want to be the mm. bottleneck because it's my nights and weekends after I've worked a full-time day job. And after I put my kids to bed and, and try to be a dad and a, and a spouse, it's, that's not my best brain power either, you know? So it's, it probably makes sense to have mm. some support there, even if it's just for vacations and things like that, or just focusing on other areas of the business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I would just say the sooner you can make this thing that you so far, are the only one doing like you're not the only one that is qualified in this world to do it, right? So like right. you can build, also build it into a process and you can teach someone that process because the sooner you can get out of doing that, especially if it's like process work that has to be done every day, then you can. And you may have to, yeah, subsidize the hard side of the network, right? I guarantee, just so you know, I guarantee my editors that are on board a certain amount of income every week, regardless of whether we have that work or not. So they get paid like base amount per week or the amount that they get that they've made from all the editing that they've done, whichever. So that makes it easy to get editors on board, right? So you could just say, hey, I'm guaranteeing you five hours a week. I'm guaranteeing you a hundred bucks a week, right? To, to have those five hours available. So use it or not, but you have that person there if you need it. And then you can, you know, scale up. And also hiring that first one is the hardest one to hire. So like yeah. you hire the first one, they have five hours, they can maybe go to 10 and then you need 20 hours. You've got the process and you've got the hiring process and you can also ask them if they know anyone that, that could do it with them as well. And so then, you know, it's just creating that initial process is always the hardest part. And then from there, it's 
it becomes a matter of operating. Um, that's a power play, man. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I'm going to have to do with the uh, with the video editor, just because they're all looking kind of for full time employment, and it's going to be a certain amount. Yeah, everyone they're basically going to be on salary for the most part, but the salary is much more manageable because of the currency conversion. It's but, but yeah, yeah, offering somebody yeah. like stable income and then saying everything yeah. you do ex above and beyond that is gravy. That's yeah. a power play. I think that could be appealing. Yeah, to a I lot guarantee of you $500 a month, right? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. You're forcing yourself to, to go out and hunt basically and, and find the demand or mm -hmm. else you're forking that over and, and it's eaten into your margins. So. That's right. Uh, that's right. Cool, man. Well, yeah. I think maybe that's a good place to, to bring this one in for a landing. We call out, you know, subscribe wherever you're listening. You're already listening to the show. We're probably available to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Details are at workingsessions.fm. And I just want to uh, draw some attention to the ask a question feature in the primary navigation there at workingsessions.fm because I'd love to have some of these icebreakers uh, be brought to us by the listeners and, and the rest of the community out there online in the B2B tech entrepreneurship world. So yeah, if you want to submit a question, you can do it on camera, audio only, or just send it in writing and maybe we'll cover it on a future episode. Awesome. Yeah. Workingsessions.fm. James, good to, uh, good to see you as always. And this episode is brought to you by TryCastaway.com. If you need podcast <laughs> repurposing, Castaway takes care of producing this uh, this podcast as well. So it's a great tool. So highly recommend it. Go talk to James. He's a good dude, as you can tell. <laughs> very, very gracious of you. Thank you so much. All right, John, we'll talk to you soon, man. You bet, James. See ya. Yep. Take care.